Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line. Streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable, the OutdoorLine.com, with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Joey Pyburn. Break out your puffy jacket. Yeah, it's he, chilly outside. Matt Nelson Matt comes, rolled in here this morning in a sporty puffy jacket. He did. He did. He was He was all Eddie Bowered up, and it's... uh. It's puffy jacket weather. <laughs> it, it is definitely puffy jacket weather. It's, uh, you know, again, uh, welcome to, uh, what? what is it, January 56th today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're uh, <laughs> we're in the longest February in recorded history right now. And, uh, of course, the fact that uh, we're, we're not fishing Marine Area 10 right now when we were this time last year is not making this month pass any easier or any, or any more quietly. We're going we're gonna to talk about that, dive into that you know, a little bit later. Probably next segment, we're going to go do a deep dive on that. But... Here we are, last weekend of February, we've got Marine Area 5 opening up on Wednesday. We do. I mean, I don't know how many guys are going to make it out there. <laughs> That's just it. It's snowing. It's really <clears throat> cold. It's windy. Uh, you know, that road getting out to CQ is treacherous when it's nice out. When it's nice. When it's, it's, when it's icy, that thing is it's, sketchy. You, you can't. Towing a boat. You, you're just, you're, that is not smart baseball, dude. No. And, and so here's, and, and we talked about this off air where we're coming to the show, but, you know, the Straits want a few could kind of lull you into false sense of security because, dude, the surface waters out there keep the roads kind of clear, right? Just that heat sink effect of the Straits of Juan de Fuca. So, you know, you, you get off the ferry and you, you know, at Kingston or whatever, and you're heading, you know, towards the peninsula and you round Squim and, you know, the roads are fine and you round Port Angeles and the roads are fine. Then you cross the Elwha and you're heading towards like, you know, Lake Crescent. And then, oh, well, that's okay, right? Okay, well, those roads, they're still getting some sun. Then you drop down into Lake Crescent, and that windy sucker right there has not seen the sun since December 21st. Yeah. But the problem is that rise to out of, out of Lake Crescent to Sappho, and that part of the road is shaded because, you know, just of the way it's it's angled, right? When, when I remember I remember being a kid heading out to the peninsula going elk hunting and, and, and steelheading, and so many truckers bit it on that stretch because the rest of the roads were fine, but just that slump, that slope up from Lake Crescent to Sappho, eight logging trucks, mm-hmm. dude. And, and so don't think that just because you have a clean, partly cloudy day on Tuesday, the lows are still in the 30s on Tuesday, and it opens up on Wednesday, and there's snow every day in the forecast between now and Tuesday morning, and then Thursday, there's another system coming in. So if you are one of the few that's out at CQ, you have hair on your heart, okay? And I'm more power to you. And I think you and, and our and our good friend uh, Pete Hautrau yeah, well, are, are going are gonna to head out there. Maybe yeah, well, you and Boggs it too. Here's the nice thing. Pete's boat is there. <laughs> it's already there. So I'll be yeah. in my all-wheel drive Subaru yeah. poking my way out uh, carefully still, but... Yeah, for for guys who are going to try to get out there, just be really careful on those roads. And and you know, obviously, the last thing you want to do is 
is uh, put your boat in the ditch, beating right in well, our season and, here. And that's it. I, I mean, with, with you know, we're still, we, we still got kind of a supply chain issue. So you bend your boat in March. Man, that, that has heavy-duty implications for you the rest of the season. And, and I just, I'm not in a position to take that chance with, with you know, with the sea beast. I'm not going to wrap it around a tree. Oh, well, <laughs> like, and, and like look, crescent right now. So. You know, when the road <laughs> conditions are like that, somebody could slide into you, and, and it's not even your yeah, fault. Yeah, it's not Maybe even your you fault. you don't even do anything, but now you know, your boat's damaged, and, and you're sitting on the beach. And then the other option, you know, obviously is, and we've done it before, you know, um, Shane Palcoa and I made the Kessel Run in three parsecs, right? We, we, we dropped the hammer at, at uh, the Port of Everett and made slip point. Um, in three would, in three hours, I would not run no. a boat out to no. CQ right no. now. The, it, the wind has been bad. I mean, they had a hard time getting the the docks in out there. Yeah, we They'll, both we both talked to Brandon Mason, yeah. and Brandon Mason's actually going to join us top of the seven o'clock yeah. hour too. They, they got they have some docks in there, uh, but it's been a struggle. I mean, it's been oh, it's been pushing so, right in on them. So, and he sent me a video, and I and I just about posted it, but but here here's the deal: you've got. That west swell coming around the corner because you can see the Pacific Ocean from CQ, right? And then you got an easterly wind, and it's just oh man! But they do have a few docks in right now. But man, it's it's a rough go. But then running the boat out there, like you say, um, Tuesday is west fifteen to twenty five. You got you got wind waves to four feet, you know. But you also got a swell under that thing too. So you know you're no you're you're, you you know you can't run. In six footers from the Puget Sound out to CQ in March. I mean, it's just, and then the other, the other part of that equation is too, if you decided to do it just for the opener, then it's going to blow southerly on, yeah, <laughs> which is absolutely your- the worst blow to get home. And, and our dear friends, Matt Bly and, 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 and Mike French of, of the LH French company are, are, uh, are Canon downrigger, you know, uh, Minn Kota guys, right? They brought a nice boat, you know, like a 40-footer out there and spent the night in CQ. And then on the way home, they got hit with gusts to 50 coming around Point Wilson. They had to go spend the night in Townsend, yeah, man. You got to duck in and hide. So, yeah. So that's that's the plight. If you So if you are out there this this Wednesday at CQ, you uh, you have my respect and you're going to have a bunch of fish. I, I mean, you're going to have a place to yourself, essentially. So, it's going to be good fishing. Uh, also in the news this week, dude, uh, the Columbia River Springer season's absolutely set and dropped. Uh, we're going to get that fishery through the 7th of April. Okay, so it's open right now to buoy 10. And my previous comments with regard to having hair on your heart, if you're fishing Springers right now down at Cathlam and that's what on up right now, that's, boy, it's a... They had an Arctic blast roll oh, in, and, and it dumped a bunch of snow. It's been miserable down there. Dude, a foot of snow in Portland. When we talked to Eric Lindy, also, and, and we're, going, we're, we're going through the show sheet kind of middle and reverse. Here we go. But uh, but Eric, Eric Lindy, our dear friend, uh, Lindy's Guided Sport Fishing and Easy Anchor Marine Products, um, was you know telling me, dude, do you guys get all the snow down? What's the deal? He goes, no, we got a foot of snow, Eric says, you know, in, in the Columbia. And I mean, dude, that's that's tough stuff right there. That's tough stuff, but but it's funny if you look at the the coastwide forecast. There's snow down to San Francisco. Yeah, there's snow down to the hills in Los Angeles. 
Well, I mean, and, and from what I'm hearing from guys down there in California, I mean, their reservoirs are full. Yeah, they have tons of snow in the mountains, which is really good for them and good for good for those Chinook coming back to the Sacramento, Without and a San doubt. Francisco Bay. Yeah. I mean, they'll have another great fishery down there this year. And then our fish, we got tons of snow in the mountains, and, yeah. we're, and we're continuing to get more. So this is gonna, you know, this is lining up to be another good summer. Don't, no doubt. I, I mean, and it's you know we. Again, we, we've got these this these these series of good water conditions in the mountains. I mean, you know, and it was it's been a long slog out of the you know out of the blob, mm-hmm. you know, from t- 2015, 2016, you know, and and it really knocked a hole in our age structure. But now, you know, if uh, if if you haven't already, jump over to, on on theoutdoorline.com and go hit Mark Uwas's blog that he that he that he that he posted up there earlier in a week and he runs over some very interesting and increased forecasts for our fall Chinook down on the big Creek too. Yeah. It may entirely be that this age structure shifted to the point where they were, they were expecting a lot of big fish last year and we did see some bigger fish last year. I, I think we should, we could see some really, we could see some increased sizes of our Chinook this year. Well, and the forecast is, you know, I, we're up to like, Almost five hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. Uh, last year we were at f- about four hundred eighty-five thousand, and our actual return was six hundred seventy-four thousand. Look at so, Joey doing show prep on the numbers. That's outstanding. Yeah. Well, look, man. There's nothing more exciting than seeing big numbers when oh, you're get, you're going to know you're going to be down there in August fishing for those fish at buoy ten. I mean, we could see if we see another pushing seven hundred thousand fall chinook. I yeah. mean, yeah. come on. Well, Whoa. and and the actual forecast last year, like like you mentioned, the the actual forecast last year was four hundred eighty four thousand. Yep. Okay. And the actual return was six seventy six. Yeah. Okay. So this year the actual forecast is five forty five. If we get it at or above that number again, dude, I uh, you know. <laughs> That's going to be interesting for sure. You know, and we're still just absolutely dying, chipping our teeth to see our our Puget Sound forecasts. But they're usually the last ones to kind of come out. So so we've seen, you know, we've seen a lot of numbers. I've seen some early Canadian numbers. I've seen some, you know, incidentally, the Canadian numbers. You know, we're starting to see a resurgence for some of our Skeena stocks, too. So if you're interested in this Peregrine Lodge trip, Father's Day weekend, come up come up to uh, Peregrine Lodge in the Queen Charlotte's. Join Matt and I and Brock Eward. And a Seahawk to be named later, peregrinelodge.com. And I hope you can join us on that trip. But uh, man, that's uh, I'm telling you what we're we're looking at. A good, we got we're looking at a good summer. We're looking at a really good summer. So, uh, but now we got to look for kind of what we can do right now. Okay, mm-hmm. one of the things we can do right now is uh, is is start talking about some bass fishing. Is it cold? Yes. Can you still catch them? Yes. Who's the guy to talk to? Russ Baker. Russ Baker of LimitOutMarine.com and the BigBassTrail.com. He's going to talk to us about some spring bass ops. Looking forward to talking to him about that. Of course, Brandon Mason, Olson's Mason's Resort, is going to jump in at 7 o'clock. Then Eric, Eric Lindy at 0720 going to run us down the Springer Fishery. Okay. Why aren't we fishing right now like we were last year in Marine Area 10? Mismanagement. I mean, I... We will get into this, but dude, I don't know what is going on with this state and how they're running our fisheries, but this thing never should have opened in February and it shouldn't have opened seven days a week. We should have went out and fished for three or four days and then we would have been able to shut this thing down and have some opportunity left in March. And at this point, 
we're not going to get a fishery. We're not going to get any more time. This, in my opinion, being a former public servant, and I, I consider myself something of a public servant right now, and you, and you too, right? This boils down to what your definition of public service is. What do I mean by that? Give us 90 seconds right back here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, the Seattle Sports app. I'm Tom Nelson. That's Joey Piper and Matt Nelson running the board. So uh, this time last year, we were fishing a marine area 10, okay? And now we're not. And, and, and the question is why? So we were supposed to have a, a conference call this week with WDFW, the Puget Sound Rec Fish Advisors, and this call was canceled, and I quote, because WDFW wasn't, quote, comfortable, unquote, discussing reopening the fishery. Well, when did comfort ever come into it in the first place? Um before this fishery started, several of us, uh, Gabe Miller, the, the buyer at Sport Co., and several of others of us that, that are on the Puget Sound Rec Fish Advisory Board, emailed the Puget Sound salmon manager saying, look, are we sure we want to run this thing seven days a week wide open right now before we get a real good look at, at what the you know what the test fishing numbers look like? And, and we'd ask for the test fishing numbers and ask for them and ask for them again. And so... It communication with the state has become so difficult, and we've been, you know, we've been, Joey, you and I have been working on the predator issue, the big game predator issue, and I asked for some basic public public safety information with regard to the number of cougar interactions and bear interactions, and the state foiled me. Mm-hmm. In other words, they said you go ahead and file a Freedom of Information Act request for for public safety numbers. Yeah, this is you know okay, and and these are numbers derived from taxpayer funded research, right? Okay, so put a pin in that, okay? So now we ask for the test fishing numbers because we'd like to see them before, you know, we go into this fishery and open it wide open. We're talking about the Marine Area 10 fishery right now. Well, and I quote, last year, Mark Balzell said to me in an open call, well, what do you want those numbers for? Just because we want to see the data so we can inform our decisions. Well, you'll get them when you get them. It was exactly his response. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we're in a position now where we're coming into this fishery this year, and we start emailing the Puget Sound salmon manager about, listen, are we sure we want to open this thing up seven days a week? Yep, we're going with what it says on there. Okay, you know, let's see what happens. Well, what happened was 10 shakers for every one salmon kept. And when we're coming out of north of Falcon last year, there was language introduced in North of Falcon that was unprecedented, okay? It was something that we'd never seen from a technical standpoint, but also, and this is most troubling, we'd never seen from a transparency standpoint. We saw three different encounter closure triggers installed in the Marine Area 10 fishery, and, and even more troubling, we saw an encounter trigger, trigger installed in the Marine Area 5 fishery. Which okay. was never, I mean, that that was supposed to be run as a season. Yes. And this was never discussed. Mm-hmm. And one of the sharpest minds that's on the board, now, and I won't use his name right right now because I don't want to you know, pull him into this. One of the sharpest minds and a former WDFW employee said, we were never told about this. Okay. 
We also last so so we it was never discussed. It was introduced after the North Falcon process. So therefore, it was introduced outside the public process. We were not. This was not a trade or anything. We just now and so now under the encounter boundaries that that are now set. We're at ninety eight percent of a sublegal encounter boundary. We're not going to get another day in Marine Area Ten. No, there's just it's it's just not happening. But now Area Five, which is going to open on Monday, excuse me, on Wednesday, is under an even tighter trigger. You know, and it's not the same fishery. I get it. They're probably not going to be as many encounters out there. But right now. We're looking at 4,200 total sublegal encounters. Okay. So Marine Area 10, there's three of these triggers. Total encounters, total unmarked, and total sublegal legal encounters. In Marine Area 11, total encounters, total unmarked encounters, total sublegal encounters. This is a level of scrutiny that has never before been placed on any fishery within the state of Washington. There's nothing like it on the commercial side. There's nothing like it on the, on, on the tribal side. We've never seen this, this methodology employed before. Why is it only employed on the recreational fishery side? It's a good question. It is a really good question. Yeah. And it, and it boils down. Makes it real easy to shut these fisheries down Bingo. real fast. Yep. And especially when it just seems like before that season is opened, they have test fishing boats Yeah, that we pay for. Taxpayers yeah. pay for those boats to be out there fishing. You and I could go out there in one day. Mm-hmm. And we could take some folks from the department, and they could jump on our boat, and we could go drag some gear around, and we would know at the end of the day exactly what is going to happen if we open yep. that fishery up seven days a week. And and why don't they figure this out? So check it out. Because I don't think they care, Department of honestly. Department of Fish, I don't have any evidence to dispute what you just said. Jump on theardentangler.com, theardentangler.com, and this is a website in conjunction with the Department of Fish, Oceans, and Canada that has exactly what you're talking, Joey Pyburn, Citizen Science, where um, anglers are opening their boats up to take management personnel on board. This does a tremendous amount of things. Number one, you get a more effective sampling because these guys are generally better anglers than the kids you're going to hire rank and file off the street and stick in boats, right? They're more familiar with their boats. They're more familiar with the gear. You're going to get some real interesting data, but it's a public outreach. It's a way for WDFW and the anglers to have an open line of communication with and, each other. And build I would, a better relationship. Yes. yes. And it, let, let us get involved and, and help out, you know, there, right now, I see nothing in WDFW that leads me to be optimistic with regard to their desire to foster a better relationship with the citizens that they serve, the citizen voters that they serve. Listen, if you, no less a national figure than former President Barack Obama once said, public service is one of the highest aspirations that we can aspire to with, with, within today's employment structure. Okay, public service. What's your definition of public service? Is your definition of public service denying citizens information that is publicly gleaned? Is your definition of public service telling telling a citizen you're going to get it when you get it? Is your definition of public service not responding to a thoughtful email to, until ten days later when a fishery is is doomed to be closed? No. You, that's some kind of service. You're serving something. You're not serving the public. And this is my fear for WDFW. Furthermore, at a, at, at a meeting we had in, uh, during the boat show, it was it was pointed out that only subsequent to Fish Northwest's lawsuit was it made apparent that WDFW is indeed 
does indeed have the ability to go get our own ESA permit. Yep. Where we were told to our face by a lot of WDFW from the highest levels of WDFW, nope, man, if we could get our own permit, boy, we'd sure get it. If we were to get our own permit, we would sure get it. Now that they now it's pointed out from on a legal standpoint, they can go get their own permit. No, we've decided not to. Yeah. We've decided not to because it would disrupt the process. Let's see. It's going to disrupt a unopen, unfair, and broken process. That it, sounds it, like it couldn't be any worse than what we have right now. So, gang, North Falcon starts in March. We have to and and there's open there's open public testimony opportunities in front of the WDFW commission. We need to get in front of the commission, right? And, and that's that's really that's our only recourse at this point. And and you know, Fish Northwest has a lawsuit moving forward through the courts, and it's actually in the Ninth Circuit Court right now. You know, there's going to be some kind of embarrassing stuff that, that's that's going to come out from from that lawsuit. W4WC Washington Citizens for Wildlife Conservation they've got a lawsuit that's that's running down the pike too. Really, this is the way we have to impose upon WDFW to actually uphold the law. Yeah, it is, sucks. It, it, it's and it's and it's unfair and it's unnecessary. And and you know and we stand at the door and knock, and 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 they are yet to answer. And and so we're we're going to try to reach out to some WDFW folks because I've never seen the relationship between the citizenry and WDFW at the low point it is right now. And it's counter. Well, I'm not it's saying counter- a lot. You, I dude, mean, you've been is, involved man. in this stuff for for many many years. So to have it, it just feels like we continue to to get less and less opportunity, and and they don't care. They're it. I, they they are not looking to increase our opportunity on the salmon front. We have salmon seasons right now that are shorter than rifle elk seasons in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. We have a WDFW that's de facto prioritized commercial fishing over recreational fishing in the state of Washington. Okay, that's against the law. All right? It's it's stated in the RCWs that humpies and pinks, excuse me, humpies and, and reds and chums will be of commercial priority and Chinook and Coho will be recreational priority. That's not, that's happening. not happening. That's not happening. No. Anymore, you know. No way. So, all right, enough of that. Let's go fishing. Tell you what, let's pop out of here for a quick break. Russ Baker, log on to limitoutmarine.com. Let's let's do some spring bass fishing here in the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome to the Tech Line, presented by BOMAC here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. So we had uh, Jason Christie on last year, and he actually won the Bassmaster Classic. Actually, this morning on Lake Seminole in Georgia is the Gamakatsu Bassmaster Elite event. And uh, and actually, Jason Christie was... Uh, was actually you know moving up the leaderboard pretty good on that event right now. Um, I think that would probably be a better. Um, and actually, yeah, Jason Christie. No, nah, he, well, he, he he's ninth right now. He's ninth right now. Total fish weight thirty five pounds, led by Joe Joey Swentes for the with forty five pounds ten bass. Uh, right now, though, however, in Pacific Washington, it's a balmy nineteen degrees <laughs> where we find our next guest. Russ Baker, Limit Out Marine. Good morning, Russ Baker. Good morning. Yeah, you- Joey's lead, Joey Sefuentes is leading it with 62, but oh, okay. uh, yeah, that's actually one of my old stomping grounds. <laughs> I miss yeah. him in all, <laughs> him in all South Georgia. Well, yeah, I, I, I miss I, that. 
with 19 up here. Holy cow. Yeah, you're freezing your bass off this morning. There's there's no question yeah, you about it. Chip a, chip a hole in the ice. <laughs> yeah. Drop yeah. your whopper plopper in no, there. Nobody ever wanted to go ice fishing, let alone for bass. But anyway, so so Russ Baker, Lemon Out Marine, joining us this morning, buddy. And, and uh, dude, spring is coming. It's around the corner, okay? It's a it's it's a mathematical certainty. It, it, you know, again, it feels like January 60th this morning. But uh, but we got some warmer weather coming. And, and what do we have to look forward to once that happens? Well, you know, we were just talking about that the other day, and a lot of guys got, you know, they were just, like, disappointed with this cold weather. This is winter. We're in the middle of winter. But, uh, yeah, for March, uh, we're all excited for March because things are going to start changing and changing quickly. You know, you'll have some cold days, and you'll have a couple of stable days in the 40s and the 50s. And we're getting there. You know, we are all itching to go, Right. But March is when you can get some of your biggest bass in the, you know, of the year. That pre-pre-spawn areas for smaller lakes around here, uh, even though some of the lakes on the east side have already thawed out, which I was actually surprised about. You know, Pottles and Moses already thawed out. So, so we're close. We're really close. And what, so what's the, what's the program? What are most guys going to do when it, you know, once they get out on the water here in March, how are you catching those fish? You know, the smaller, the smaller lakes, of course, you know, as we've talked about before, right, the smaller lakes, most of those are shallow lakes, right? Even though they've got some deep water, those fish are still going to be on the deep edge of that, of that deep water. So, you know, if the lake's 13 feet deep, they're going to be in that 13 foot of water, right? Mm-hmm. But, but once, here's the deal, once this weather stabilizes and gets in that 50s range, those fish are going to move up quick. And they're going to be in half that depth. No different than Lake Washington or Sammamish. This terminal Lake Sammamish this morning, and uh, those fish are probably going to be in the 40-foot, 50-foot. They're going to be the deepest part of the lake. But once we get some stable stable weather as far as warming trend, the warming's relative, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. Some, it <laughs> is. Yeah. I'm not 19, but yeah. if, you know, if, we get, if we can get if we can get back in that yeah. high 40s, low 50s, and that consistent climb. Then those fish will start moving up, and and they'll be a little bit easier catch than at forty five or fifty feet. <laughs> we're talking, so we're, we're getting, we're getting good close. <laughs> we're talking with Russ Baker, Limit Out Marine, this morning, and well, you make a great point because the the size of the lake itself can either help you or hurt you. And this time of year, gun to your head, if you had to catch a bass this morning, I bet Lake Washington would be one of your go tos because that larger body water is going to have some mellow temperatures in it. But when we start getting some thermal I'll say thermal momentum in some of these lakes, Russ Baker, some of the smaller bodies of water will warm more quickly. And so there's kind of a, a, a couple different opportunities you can look at there. Correct. Correct. And that's what I do is that, you know, I'll check a small body of water. Uh, you know, your bigger bodies of water, sure. You know, they've got some diversity, but the smaller body of water, yeah, they'll warm up faster. And that's when I'll focus on that that cusp, that break line between deep and shallow. And a lot of times I call those stair steps. And a lot of people don't realize, but those stair steps do hold a lot of big fish. And those big fish will actually stay on the step before they move up shallow. And your smaller lakes have a better opportunity to find those bigger fish. I mean, your big fish, your swim bait guys know this, right? And But the general public does not for the most part. But... I call it the stair step pattern, and it can be, it can work. It works in the spring, and it works in the fall. At the next transition from fall to winter, right? They go from shallow to that step, 
and they'll just keep going down the step and they'll and and until they go deep or they come up shallow so it's a pretty neat deal but you're right we're not far we're not far from getting to be some pretty good fishing especially for big big fish how how tough is it going to be today for those guys out on Lake Sammamish <laughs> with this cold snap? I mean, just a, oh, does this drop in temperature <laughs> is that going to shut those fish down? I mean, I know it's tough to get them to bite this time of year anyway, but is that going to really shut those fish down and make it a lot tougher for those guys to to catch some fish out there today? In my opinion, if there's twenty boats, two guys will have lim- two boats will have limits. Yeah. Um, this is going to be one, one one challenging deal. I could be totally wrong, but I doubt it. Um, there's going to be two or three boats to figure them out. I don't think we're going to see a lot of limits. Those fish are deep, and, and, you know, unless you're a really strong deep water fisherman. But I think this at what are we nineteen this morning? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I know it's cold. I know it's cold, but but that's some really brutal, tough, tough conditions and. Um, and there'll be fish caught, but they'll be deep. You know, they're probably in that 45 to, to 50 range, and you may have an occasional fish caught in 35, but, you know, everybody's going to be fizzing their fish. So, yeah, this is going to be a tough, tough event. Well, today you got to kind of look at it as a cure for spring fever, right? There's going to be guys out running their boats and, and getting stuff done, but what they're really doing is kind of getting ready for when it's really going to go. You provided, Russ Baker, some really cool opportunities with the Big Bass Tournament Trail, bigbasstrail.com. What's going on? What do guys have to look forward to later in the year? And what opportunities do guys have if they have their eyes on, on one of these pro-ams that you're going you're gonna to have uh, popping out later this spring, Russ? Yeah, we're excited about this. We're, we're putting on the first shared weight pro-am in the Northwest. Nobody's ever done it up here. And, you know, there's been pro-ams, of course. The Wild West puts on, but nobody's put on a shared weight pro-am. So this is an opportunity for the new guys that want to get into bass fishing to learn how to bass fish certain lakes certain times of the year. We're, we're going to be on potholes this year, May 4th and 5th, shared weight pro-am. You'll have two different, if you're an amateur would like to sign up, you'll have two different partners, two different pro partners. You can learn an absolute time. We're going to give away a Phoenix bass boat there. And for the pro, and then the amateur will be uh, winning uh, cash. So this is a great opportunity. It's first week of May. Uh, fantastic fishing on, on good old Potholes Reservoir. To be able to at Mardon's Resort, we look forward to having you guys here. But uh, Tom, come on and join us, buddy. Don't so now I'm the guy you got to be careful about inviting, okay? Because I'll freaking show up, dude. All right, you know, just 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 ask just ask my buddy Robbie Tobik. He says, "Well, you got to come down to Florida here." And so Kathy and I rolled on down to Florida last year. We you know, we made him pay for it, right? You you invite me, I, I will freaking show. But we'd well, love to have you guys out, absolutely. Well, you absolutely. and I were talking. You and I were talking yesterday, Russ, and you know, as we lose opportunity here on on our salmon front. Uh, I have to start looking at other options, and this, you know, I'm not a I'm not a bass fisherman, but like you said, he's man, becoming I, a beaver trapper though, which well, is really. I, I, went, yeah. I went and caught my first walleye, <laughs> and now I'm like, man, nice day out on the on the lake, warm temps, fancy bass boat with killer electronics, and a pro who's going to kind of teach me the ropes. I may be. Uh, I may be going over there and doing this. This yeah, program. you guys ought to both show up for this thing, man. You you would learn a ton, absolute ton. I know you guys can bass fish. I know you can. No, I know you'd learn a ton. I, and that's it. Do. That's it too. And and dude, 
how it, we love rock fishing, vertical, you know, bottom fish stuff. Why? Because you put a piece of gear down and you get whacked and you get whacked and you get whacked again. And just about every time. So, and bass fishing, when you get on them and you're, and you're switching techniques, that's the, one of the charms of it is it provides a lot more action per hour on the water than most salmon guys are ever going to see. Yeah, and we see yeah. how we – listen, when we take guys out there and we put them on a bunch of black rocks yeah. or lingcod and and you're working those those swim baits or jigs, um, man, the, we see guys like light up. Yeah, and for sure. I, I could see the, you know, the bass thing for me, I would probably get all wrapped oh, up I, in. I, and, every single one of, of my, my salmon guys – that have gone over to the to the ditch pickle side of things, you know. They they, they do rust. They stand on that side of the fence. And got Nelly, get your butt over here. Let's go. Let's go. So so, but but one of the things that really is has impressed me about bass angling is you can fish for bass in every state in the nation and there's year more round. people. There's more people bass fishing. So when we're talking about real fishing innovations for all anglers. It comes from the bass side. Electronics, plastics, cranks, Russ. Every year, man, there's another innovation that comes out that's generally driven by the warm water side. Am I wrong? No, you're not you're not wrong at all. I think you're I think you're very right. Uh it's amazing because, you know, you know, I respect salmon and steelhead guys all day long, right? You guys have a lot of different techniques, right? But a lot of those techniques actually, you know, can be used on the bass side as well. So it's a nice thing we that we both share. But you're right. If, you know, if the salmon, the salmon shortage, you know, population issues are way down, right? Bass you can fish for 12 months out of the year. And that's why I stick with it. You know, I grew up in Texas, lived in Georgia where these guys are fishing, moved to Seattle area in 88, and been bass fishing ever since. But the nice thing about it is you can you can fish 12 months of the year here. And, and come May, I mean, this is a fantastic opportunity for both the pro and co sign up for the Shared Weight Pro app. This is a lot of fun. You're going to learn an absolute ton. And then you're going to get to see all the new stuff out there, all the new electronics, the forward-facing sonar, which everybody's taking advantage of. But in bottles, it doesn't it doesn't really come into play unless you're fishing open water. And most of these guys are going to be fishing in the trees. Right. The beaver huts, which there are hundreds of beaver huts and bottles. Yep. The stick-ups, the lay-downs, things like that. So, yeah, this is going to be a wonderful opportunity for those that want to get involved in bass fishing and actually learn – you know, learn some new techniques. And so, Mardon and Pottles Reservoir is just awesome. such a great venue for this. Are you Killer. kidding me? Yeah. Dude. So for guys who maybe want to do this, like guys like me, um, who would be considered a co-angler, uh, it's probably, so three days of fishing, like you're going to go over and probably fish a day, right, to scout? Yeah, we're open, to- pre-fish. we're open pre-fish the weekend before, okay. and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday they can pre-fish, but must be off the water at 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Okay. You know, they can go to bigbasstrail.com or call one of us at Limit Out Marine stores in Spokane Valley and Pacific, or they can get a hold of me, Russ Baker, and we'd be happy to tell them about the tournament, um, how to get involved, how to how to register that kind of thing. There is a registration on Big Bass, Big Bass Trail.com, so it's really easy to sign up. 
He's Russ Baker. Go check him out. Limitoutmarine.com. The aforementioned bigbasstrail.com. Dude, we appreciate uh, you giving us just a you know just a little glimpse of, of, of springtime this morning, dude. We 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 kind of needed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> we we definitely need it, guys. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you got 19 degrees to rub together. So, all right, Russ. Thank you so much, buddy. Springs always great to talk. Springs to you, coming. Russ. Keep in touch, dude. Will do. Thanks, All right, man. Guys. Talk to you Bye. soon. All right, coming up next, Raymarine Picks of the Week for the final time, thank goodness, in February. It'll be March next time we do this here. Oh, good. I, but I, I got some cool Raymarine stuff to talk about, though. Let's, let's talk a little sonar module stuff okay. next here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Raymarine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Raymarine, simply superior. <laughs> Check out raymarine.com. You're going to find the latest in multifunctional displays, sonar modules, and so much more. In particular, we're going to talk a little bit about the CP470 Chirp sonar module. So, but first, let's talk transducers. Well, first, let's let's talk about this time when we we don't have a lot of opportunity. What can you do, guys? <laughs> yes. You can go get out on your boat and do maintenance and then upgrade. And, Tom, you've been... You've been all fired up about this new sonar module. What? So what's going to be different when I get on the boat and I look at that screen for the first time first, now that you've installed this? First off, my, our, my, our, our dear friend Jeff Paco, they, they came up last weekend. And you put and him to work. A, he's a marine like He's an electrician, yes. right? And he's been, you know, a journeyman electrician a lot of different places. So, you know, if you want to get somebody to pull wire and set something up nice. So, so we had a couple different things we're installing. And one of them was that new Siren Marine connected boat system so cool dude because you can get an app on your phone you put the module in the boat with a little gps and cell antenna you buy a subscription you know dude just get a freaking six month deal you know and start it and start it in march and end it in freaking at hunting season whatever but it's peace of mind when your boat's in the water because you can look at the app Look at the build cycles. You can look if you're a shore power guy. You see that your boat's still attached to shore power. There's motion you, sensors, motion sensors, and a whole bunch of stuff. Door entry sensors and, and stuff like and that. And all the sensors are wireless, so you're not having to wire a bunch of them, right? I mean, so most of them are wireless. Okay. Like, but the but like that motion sensor one, <clears throat> that one is wired because it uses a little bit of residual power. Okay. Right. But it, and, and I'm going to do a video on this soon. So sirenmarine.com for more information. And Three Rivers Marine is your home for that. And, and, it, and it's they're kind of in cahoots with Yamaha a little bit, too. Really cool product. Check that. So check that out. So what you are going to notice with your eyeballs, though, mm-hmm. the minute we got this CP470 hooked up, and this is, like I said, this is a two kilowatt chirp sonar module, right? But the deucer I have is only one kilowatt. You know, you have to you would have to have a specific transducer. When we first stepped on the boat, it was um, it was February first when we got our Dan our our two mornings of Marine Area Ten. Anybody that missed the second segment of this yeah. hour, go back and yeah, we're not going to relive that rant. But but anyway, so make a long story short, I had an issue going on because I had a dead transducer plugged into the back of the boat. I had a I um so there's 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 a couple different transducers and one of them heavily influenced by bass it was kind of like a structure scan long thing we had back there it the, the mount on that thing had failed so i just i was forced to just cut it off but the wire had started to get corroded and that that wire was still hooked up to this to the unit so mm-hmm. it was trying to look for this transducer so i had a problem right off the bat got back there unplugged it checked it out and thought you know i have 
a nice transom mount transducer in addition to the through hall. Why aren't we using both of these? Talk to our rep, our Raymarine rep, Mike Sertic, is listening. I'm going to get you the sonar module, the CP470, so you can run your through hall through that one, but you're going to hook the transom mount one up. And so now you're going to get a combination high chirp and low chirp picture. Mm-hmm. Because different bait species are going to resonate at at different frequencies, right? So, I didn't think I was going to see difference with the boat on the trailer, dude. It was amazing the way the signals were processed and the way things looked. And you, you know, with the old picture, you, it was almost sometimes you could get a pixelated look where things were a little bit grainy. This is fluid. Yeah. It's it's like the signals are getting processed faster, but it's a more powerful transducer as well. Or excuse me, more powerful sounder so, as well through so the same I'm transducer. So I'm going to see more detail. You are going to see more it's detail. It's going to be clearer picture. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, you're not you're not going to complain about that one one bit. You know, and then we're going to have to, you know, play around with which which transducers on and which is off. But here's the thing. <clears throat> and and I got so many questions during the Seattle Boat Show about transducer performance because part of the way that I go about doing PowerPoints and, and teaching folks is showing them screenshots and talking about display interpretation and what do bait species look like on, on, and how do we know the, those are bait species, right? Because we see a mark that we're not sure of. We catch a fish, we open the fish up, bam, that's how you tell, right? Yep. And well, how do you, but then how do you know that was euphosid shrimp inside that herring? Because then we opened up the herring that was in the fish. And yeah. that, yeah, we, we go deep. We go deep. <laughs> we, we haven't yet tried to open up the shrimp? A, a, no, a krill or yeah. a shrimp to try to yeah. see what's in their little digestive tract. But you know what I'm trying to say? It's if if you don't spend a lot of time on the water, then how do you get this? How do you get? How do you get that knowledge? How do you get that information? And that's what we try to do in our powerpoints. And so I get so many questions. Hey, listen, my sonar doesn't look like yours. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Okay, now we can have the conversation, right? And so part of it is too that 90 percent of the transducers out there are transom mount transducers. Okay, and 95% of the boats out there are trailer boats. If you have a transom mount transducer on your trailer boat, there are rocks flying by that thing, kicked up by the trailer tires like crazy. Want, yeah. me, want me to prove it to you? Go look at the front of your license plate on your trailer. I, I mean, that thing is probably going to look like it took a couple loads of buckshot. And, yeah. and, so, and you face so a lot your of guys are... are Using transducers that are they're just not they're trash. Yeah, they're they're not working well anymore. No, it's time to to get a new one. And and okay, so we we're just talking to Russ Baker. Nineteen degrees today in Pacific, twenty four up my place. Whatever. When you get a pit or or God forbid a crack in a transducer body, water will get in there. I promise you. I don't care if it's rain. I don't care if it's dew. I don't care if you soaked. It doesn't matter. So once you start getting water in that matrix, then you freeze that transducer. You're, you're separating the structure of that transducer. There's, there's, there, there's a Lexan matrix that holds those resonating crystals in a very specific location, and there can't be anything in between the Lexan matrix and that crystal, or it's, a, or it's not a great picture. And it, and it constantly degrades and constantly de- degrades. Transom mount transducers are wear items. And if you're not getting a good picture, and I don't care what brand of electronics that, that, that you're running— there's an upgrade transducer available to you if you log on to airmar.com. Okay, airmar.com makes everybody's transducers these days. Everybody's. And, dude, it's just a cord adapter away from you getting better sonar performance on your boat. Look, you said it earlier, with, with the amount of 
opportunity that that has been unfairly taken away from us, you can use this time to get sharper, right? And and and, a yeah, lot and you of, want to be sharp when all you get is a couple days in Marine Area Ten. You want to yeah. make sure everything's working correctly, and you have the best best picture you can. I mean, you and I catch a lot more fish because we see more fish and we see bait and. You can target those fish that are actively feeding on bait. You can see it. You can see them down there, and you know that's a feeding Chinook, and if you get your gear in front of that feeding Chinook, you got a way better chance of catching them than a cruiser that's not on bait. Yep. And, and, and so most of the time, I'm at the rear helm, and most of the time, you're on your downrigger, and you're parked in front of that Axiom Pro. Yeah. And you see stuff, and you you spend all your time adjusting that downrigger to to fish that you see on the screen and dude it makes a huge difference but but if you don't have faith in your marine electronics if you're not getting a good sonar picture none of that information is available to you and so you can't make use of it and that yeah. and that's the key right there all right Hour two, Brandon Mason. Let's talk a little CQ. He's got the couple docks in out there. It's going to be a tough go getting out to CQ. We'll tell you why next segment. The Northwest Outdoor Report presented by Les Schwab Tires. Of course, the Weldcraft Wheel, Doug Weldcraft, Duckworth Wheelhouse. Our dear friend, Eric Lindy, Springer Seasons Announced. That's the real March Madness. And uh, Easy Anchor Products as well. Uh, pack second out. Roy Robinson's really where, too, right here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App.